Today on the Arts Report, Dancing on the Edge Festival, the art show Redivivus, the South Asian Film Festival, and singer Babe Gurr at the Folk Fest. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Arts Report. I'm your host, Adam Janusz. Uh, it's July the 7th, and um, we've got an excellent show for you today. And uh, we've also got some sunshine, which is very nice. Uh, summer has finally arrived in Vancouver, despite all the, um, all the doom and gloom that it, uh, that it would never come. And um, so that's always great. Um, it's summer, so the summer issue of Discorder is out now, and I have it in front of me. You should check it out. It's really excellent. They have a feature on uh, a feature called Slam Dunk with Victoria's wonderful burrito-eating garage quartet. They are pretty much our favorite, it says. Uh, an interview with uh, Shad, Canada's best up-and-coming uh, rapper, one of Canada's best up-and-coming rappers, uh, just before he played a show at the Biltmore. And uh, there's an interview with the band The Shilohs, who recorded a rock EP in the middle of the night in a haunted office tower. There's a story on that. And there's also a really interesting article about um, independent record stores in Vancouver. It's called Once Upon a Record Store. So you should check that out. It is in the latest issue of Discorder, and I believe they have a website as well where you can read their stuff if you can't find it. There's, there's a lot of Discorders uh, all throughout Vancouver. There's certainly a lot on the UBC campus. And um, I believe the website is discorder.ca. I may be wrong. I may be lying to you. But I'm pretty sure it's discorder.ca. So uh, check it out. It's, uh, it's the July and August edition of, uh, of the magazine. So, on today's show, we have a feature on the Dancing on the Edge Festival, which is starting uh, tomorrow. It goes from July the 8th till the 18th and is, uh, has its hub at the Fire Hall Arts Centre, but will be all over the city and will include a dance uh, party. There will be a dance dance party for everyone to uh, join in on at the Sunrise Market on the last day. Um, what does it say here? New to this year's Festival Dancing on the Edge will host its first official street dance party to celebrate the culmination of the 22nd annual Dancing on the Edge Festival. Festivities will begin with Karen Jameson's dance, Dance's community parade through the streets of, down, of the downtown east side and finish on the rooftop of Sunrise Market for a spectacular outdoor dance party. And if the weather is anything like today, it truly will be spectacular. Um, then we also have a feature on an art show that's coming up uh, also tomorrow. Tomorrow's a busy day called Red of Ivis. And uh, this is a, an art installation uh, show that will feature uh, artifacts from Vancouver's, uh, Vancouver's maritime history and, uh, and other various places. We'll hear more about that. And uh, we have uh, a feature on the South Asian Film Festival, which happened on June 26th. And uh, we have uh, another in our series of interviews for the Vancouver Folk Festival which is coming up in just one week. And we spoke to singer Babe Gurr, who will be featured in the festival. And we'll talk about her, her latest disc, and we'll find out why she wasn't drunk today for our interview. We'll explain that. So, um, yeah, lots of great stuff on the show. 
so we might as well um, we might as well get started. So to begin, let's see what will we begin. Ah, yes, we'll begin with dancing on the edge. And uh, I spoke to Caitlin McCall, who is a producer of the festival, and we got to find out uh, about some of the acts. Uh, which are coming from literally all over the world, and um, we'll learn about the um, the different uh, the different styles and different uh, events that are that you can uh, take on, including some uh, workshops and classes that uh, are at a very high level. But everybody's welcome. But you should know it's uh, it's mainly designed for the arts community, and uh, so it's going to be very high level uh, workshops and classes. But uh, they are available to the public, and we'll also hear about um, some outreach programs that uh, Caitlin is working on um, with uh, youth in the downtown east side. So here is our interview. To begin, uh, tell me about Dancing on the Edge. What is it? Dancing on the Edge, it's a contemporary dance festival. We are in our 22nd year this year, so it's, uh, it's, a pretty, it's nicely established in Vancouver. Um, we present usually between 18 and 20 artists and performances a festival. It's usually 10 days. This season we've actually gone, um, we got some extra funding to uh, do a community initiative. So we've extended it to 11 days and we are planning a street dance party. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that's happening on Sunday, which is the, the 18th, so that's the 11th day of the festival, mm-hmm. is Karen Jameson Dance is doing this community parade. It's a project that she did. Um, with the Carnegie Dance Troupe, so carved with the uh, Carnegie Center, and they're doing this parade that goes down Main Street from Carnegie, goes to the downtown east side, and ends up on the mar- uh, the rooftop of Sunrise Market, mm-hmm. and where we're going to have a big dance party. Wow! So yeah, I mean, there's there's tons of stuff happening. We do dance classes during the festival. Yeah. And there's usually, I think this year there's somewhere between three to four performances an evening. Mm going from about 7 to 10 mm-hmm. each night. So, And what's the, uh, what's the purpose? Like, what, is the, what makes Dancing on the Edge different from any other sort of performing arts festival? Dancing on the Edge is, I mean, it's an amazing festival because it works with, um, I mean, it brings dance to the community and it brings dance to Vancouver. And I know that there are, you know, there's other festivals that do the same things, but we focus a lot on making it accessible. We, you know, every year we've done free site performances. We have um, dust dances, which happens in, Queen Elizabeth Park, mm-hmm. so it's it's a free you know community initiative to get people who may not feel as comfortable walking into a theater and seeing dance, they get to go see something in their local park that's very interactive. That's you know you might be walking your dog in the park mm-hmm. and you get to go see some contemporary dance. That's you know really just introduces you to something like this. Um, you know we work with Vancouver artists. We work with this year artists from Toronto, Montreal. Um, we do Canadian premieres. Mm-hmm. One of the things is um, Sarah Coffin, who's doing an artist in residence program at the Dance Center, mm-hmm. is uh, brought together three groups to interpret the work of Thomas Lehman, who has done it. He has produced a book of choreography for a piece called, it's it's in German, it's called Schriebstück. <laughs> uh, and it's um, it's a group from Halifax called Sins Dance, um, a a group of Vancouver dancers and a group from New York called Witness Relocation. And they've all taken the book, read the choreography, interpreted the choreography, and are now coming to do this Canadian premiere mm. of the work, you know, as they sort of as they see it. And it's all three of them together. Mm. Each one opening, um, they're doing three performances, but so each group will open one performance. 
and just to sort of see, you know. So we, we range, and it's cool. different because we bring people. Uh, there's somebody coming from a Uruguayan artist coming this year, mm-hmm. and I mean, it's we just we want to get people involved, and we want to, you know, we want to sort of share this love of dance that we have. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. Now the the festival uh, dancing on the edge that's going to have some uh, a sort of interactive component. There's going to be is there going to be workshops and classes? We do we do workshops and classes. Um, it's primarily for the dance community because what we've done is we've talked to choreographers and artists that are coming for the festival and they'll be doing classes from the ninth through to the sixteenth every morning in the fire hall studio. Um, so we have Corey Bowles, who is actually, you might know him from Trailer Park Boys. Oh, okay. So he's, um, he plays Corey in the Trailer Park Boys, but he's also the artistic, I believe he's the artistic director of Sins Dance in Halifax. Wow. Yeah, so he's coming to do... Who does he play do, on the show? He plays Corey, and I'm not, I'm... Uh, yeah, I'm not too familiar I'm not with the show. I'm not familiar with the show, but yeah. I know that he's sort of one of these names that... Okay. Just kind of cool. Um, Dan Safer, who's with Witness Relocation in New York, is teaching a class. Um, Davida Monk from Toronto... Um, is uh, with the M-Body companies teaching classes. Uh, Thomas Lehman, who wrote the book, the concept book for Shreebstuck, is mm. doing a class. Uh, but that isn't available to the public. That's it's. Well, I mean, it's available to the public. I think that they're going to be teaching at a um, right at pre advanced level. Yeah, pre professional okay. professional level. Mm-hmm. But I mean, people are welcome to kind of yeah. come and check it out. Give us a call at the fire hall and and see what's going on. And tell me now, you work, uh, I understand you work with at-risk youth as well as uh, making uh, Dancing on the Edge happen. Can yes. you tell me about that? Sure. Um, well, I work uh, through sort of my fire hall, um, my fire hall hat. Uh, we've been working for, it's a train, it's a pilot program which, uh, with Blade Runners, which is a company that does entry-level training programs and has primarily done construction. Mm. So they take a group of youth, they learn, teach them, give them sort of a trade skills and then work with construction companies to sort of, you know, get them working and mm-hmm. give them sort of a career focus and mm-hmm. life skills workshop. And they approach the fire hall to to bring on, you know, can you do something like this? It's, you know, with the way that we work in the community and, you know, we're 27 years old now here, being here. So mm-hmm. it's, um, we've been a pretty big hub. I've uh, been working with five extraordinary, extraordinary youths. Uh, Ridley Wallace, Alex Denard, David Kearley, Mitchell Wee, and Robin Prince, um, who have sort of come from all different backgrounds. Some, you know, are actors. Some of them, you know, just like theater. Some of them, you know, want to be administrators and brought them in, trained them on entry level, sort of box office, front of house, um, bartending production assistants but they've also done graphic design workshops they've Mm. done marketing workshops they've kind of seen what it's like to be here and to sort of you know work in the arts and have to wear five hats at the same (laughs) time but they've just excelled and they've been amazing so awesome well thanks for telling me about the festival no problem all right okay so the Dancing on the Edge Festival starts tomorrow, and you can uh, find out more information at dancingontheedge.org. And uh, you should know that tickets, single tickets, are $26 and 22 bucks for students, seniors, uh, etc. And um, there is a Flex 1 or a Flex 2 uh passes flex one is eight tickets for 160 bucks and flex two is four tickets for 80 dollars which gives you four tickets to performances during the festival 
That makes sense. And uh, you can get tickets at the website, dancingontheedge.org, or you can get them at this phone number, which I am about to give to you. Get your pens ready. Is 604-689-0926. So check that out. It's going to be fantastic. So we'll be right back. And when we return, we'll tell you about uh, a very special kind of uh, installation, exhibition, uh, thing that's happening tomorrow. We'll be uh, right back. Hello, Micro. We're at 8,000 feet. Television cold and I'm bored stiff. What about putting on a hot gramophone record to cheer me up? Hello? Mm. Hello. Uh-huh. Is this Harlem 77711? Hello, fellas. This is Duke Ellington. Ah, uh, get it. Pause. Let's get sweet and hot. In the opinion of hot music critics, Count Basie has one of the best dance orchestras in the country. King of the clarinet, Artie Shaw, and his orchestra making dance history in the Blue Room of the Hotel Lincoln in New York City. Every Thursday from 10 till noon, join me, your host, Charles Burnham, for Sweet and Hot, a celebration of the 78 RPM record, the three-minute masterpiece, and the golden age of North American songwriting. Hot jazz, swing, and popular music from the 1920s, 30s, and 40s. That's every Thursday from 10 till noon, here on CITR 101.9 FM. Enjoy that blue bottle? That's a swill record. I'm just kidding. What's his number? All right. We're back on the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM and online at citr.ca. So uh, in our inbox here at the Arts Report, we received a message yesterday that said the following. Dot, dot, dot. The evening temperature this Thursday, July 8th, is set at a beautiful 26 degrees Celsius with clear skies, sun rising in the east at 5.20 a.m. and setting in the west at 9.14 p.m. Bill Eckstein turns 96. It's hot dog night in Luverne, Minnesota. Muhammad ascends. And Lamo Dundrab turns 75. And... 51 Powell Street, Gastown, Vancouver, B.C., celebrates the reopening of Planet Claire, inclusive a 780-square-foot art installation, 12 days and 148 hours in the making, catering, and bar by donation. The name Redivivus. So uh, we were intrigued here at the Arts Report, so we got in touch with Neil Nolan, um, who is the brainchild of this project, and uh, had to find out more about uh, what this event was all about. Um, so here's our interview. Tell me about the event. What is it? It's uh, basically um, sort of a, a design-build uh, art installation for mm-hmm. a shop called Planet Claire on 51 Powell Street. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, in 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 this sense, it's uh, it's less of uh, a show where work will be for sale in in a commercial sense and such. It's more of just a celebration of space and artifact uh, assembled into um, seven hundred and uh, some odd square feet of of, uh, wall and floor and ceiling uh, area. (laughs) Yeah, give us uh, for radio. Give us a a sense of what uh, people can will see. Um, Well, there will be a kiddie pool and. Stacked with small children, um, <laughs> and uh, hopefully there's there's air conditioning because 
it's not that large of a space, and if there's no air conditioning, it's just going to get really hot. The, they, they won't be real children, will they? Uh, they'll be uh, volunteer children from um, <laughs> all, all over the, uh, the continent. Uh, now, you also have a, a guest artist. Is it Eben Bender? Yeah, it's Eben Bender. He's, uh, he and I have been doing stuff uh, together for a long time, just collaborative uh, things. We started with the uh, Misanthropy Gallery back in uh, 92, 93, I guess, something like that. Now, can you tell me what inspired the uh, the blurb uh, about the event, the one that, that talks about um, how it's hot dog night in Luverne, Minnesota, et cetera, uh, et cetera? I'd rather not. <laughs> no, it was, it's just like, I don't know, like I come, come from a marketing background and oh everything, and, and it's just like so much, uh, so many false sort of presentations mm-hmm. that become involved within marketing and, and whatever else, and and uh, I don't know, it's just uh, trying to say something and talk about something, and it's just like, you know, a lot of people will take artwork and, and whatever, and, and a lot of artists in general will, will um, sort of put a little heavier emphasis on who they are and how their own importance where I mean yeah whatever art's cool and stuff but it's just the same thing like you called me to do a radio interview I like you already you know and that's great <laughs> but and we haven't, we haven't met and um, I don't know it, it was just something about like what else is going on in the world other than this and instead of putting so much emphasis on this is happening it's going to be the most amazing thing you can show up and it's going to be great you know like mm-hmm. it's uh, it's just yeah just something else is happening, and if you're around, come check it out. There's I mean, a lot of like redundancy in, in uh, events and, and, and stuff in, in this city right now. It's, it's so, I don't know, it's, it's like uh, Vancouver's reaching to try and be something that it isn't instead of letting itself be what it is. Mm-hmm. It's like a forced identity or something, I don't know, kind of platitude involved there. So will, uh, let me try to pronounce it properly, Redivivus? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Redivivus. Yeah. Will that be an example of, of Vancouver just being itself? Uh, I think so. Uh, that's a lot of the, the work that I'm getting into right now is about um, is about sort of uh, I don't know, like the the history of Vancouver and stuff, and where we came from, and everything brothels and you know, like opium dens and stuff like that, and uh, just the prohibition era sort of seems to be something that's becoming um, commodified as it as it uh, as uh, sort of our history. Like it's it's like a we. Uh, re-representation of history, mm-hmm. sort of like modified and like put into um, this new sort of like like contemporary um, display of what was kind of thing rather than what it is and it's, it's nappy, it's dirty, it, it comes from like a lot of different stuff and uh, I think it's, it's, it's important to embrace where we came from to understand where we're going to and where we are now instead of trying to force things to be a different way, just sort of like let it be what it is. I see. I would say this isn't, this isn't necessarily an example of Vancouver. It's, it's it's like kind of a timely interest that I have. Oh come like, on! Don't don't back out. <laughs> just say that no, it is. I, I don't know. I mean, it's just like all the artifacts are taken from I don't know, like uh, shipyards and stuff like that. You know, it's just the idea of like an older object that and where it's been and that it's in the present it's sort of like your time traveling with that object back to all of its experiences what it's seen what's happened around it what it's gone through to get here and you know how it's been weathered along the way so wait just so so i'm clear is a lot of the the materials that you, that are used in 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 the project uh things like like you just mentioned that are sort of have been sort of picked up from shipyards and stuff like that yeah, they've been scavenged, stolen, mm-hmm. and found <laughs> along the way. Okay. 
Great. And just to sum up, uh, or just to conclude, uh, there's going to be uh, some catering and a bar. Yeah, there is. Uh, so, yeah, aside from the, the miners stacked in the pool, and, uh, <laughs> you know, there's, there's other things to do other than wonder what the hell's going on with that. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, thanks. Thanks for telling me about it, and best of luck with it. Indeed. I hope to see you there, Adam. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. <laughs> Did you hear that bird chirping at the very end there? I don't know if uh if Neil passed the phone over to his to his pet parakeet or uh or if, or if suddenly the line was crossed just before he hung up and uh we caught a, a bird conversation or something, but uh that was quite funny. Can do you wanna hear that again? Listen, listen to the to the to the bird. Thanks for telling me about it and best of luck with it. Indeed, I hope to see you there, Adam. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. <laughs> what is that? I don't know. Anyway, uh, Red Vivus is coming tomorrow, and it will start at 6 p.m. and go on till, uh, till 10, and the location is 51 Powell Street. And I think you might be able to get more information if you go to Neil Nolan's uh, blog, which is neilnolan.blogspot.com, and uh, you can see, you can get more information on it, or just show up, show up tomorrow um, to 51 Powell Street, and it's uh, it's by donation, I believe, and there's catering and uh, and a bar and uh, and kids stacked in a in a in a pool and other such items. So check that out. All right, uh, we have some tickets uh, to give away. I didn't tell you about this before. Uh, it's a surprise. It's for Birds of Paradox, which will be at the Dr. Sun Yat-sen Classical Chinese Garden. Uh, which is presenting the 17th annual Enchanted Evenings concert series. Uh, the Birds of Paradox combines Western, Chinese, and Indian music into a creative whole. The musical trio synthesizes elements of jazz and improvised music, a collective expression of life in post-millennial Vancouver. So I have uh, two tickets to give away for their show, which is on Friday, July 9th. And uh, it starts... At 7 p.m. And uh, don't call yet. I, I'm not giving away the tickets immediately, but I will tell you when. Uh, but for now, have a listen to the Birds of Paradox. Uh, this is called Temple Bells. So that was Birds of Paradox, 
And if you want to get tickets to uh, this event tomorrow at 7 p.m., now is the time to call. And the number is 604-822-2487. That's 604-822-2487. We'll be right back with the South Asian uh, Film Festival. CITR 101.9 FM is proud to support the Enchanted Evenings concert series at the Dr. Sun Yat-sen Classical Chinese Garden in Vancouver. The series runs from July 9th to September 3rd every Friday evening. Come and enjoy a diverse array of world music while sampling food selected specifically to complement the music. Of the series' nine concerts, the first four are in July. On July 9th, the series kicks off with the Birds of Paradox, combining Western Chinese and Indian music. Delana Gale Bowen with her sultry blues, jazz, and gospel on July 16th, Ocean of Sound with their percussion-based music on July 23rd, and the Vancouver Piano Ensemble on July 30th. Tickets are $20 and $18 for garden members. A season's pass is only $135, with a savings of $45. For tickets and information, call 604-662-3207, extension 210, and visit VancouverChineseGarden.com for a full listing of upcoming concerts. The Enchanted Evenings Concert Series at the Dr. Sun Yat-sen Classical Chinese Garden in Vancouver, every Friday from July 9th to September 3rd. All right, we're back on the Arts Report. I'm Adam Yanush, and you're listening to CITR 101.9 FM or online citr.ca, or you're listening in the future uh, to a podcast, which will be up about an hour after the show is done. And that's um, if you want to find our podcasts, it's, uh, it's very easy. And you should sign up uh, for the uh, iTunes uh, subscription, and then it will just appear in your iTunes every week. Uh, whether you can hear the show live or not. And that's at citr.ca. You just click under uh, Shows, uh, which is uh, at the top of the page, and then you click Podcasts. And then you just click, you find the uh, Arts Report under A, Arts Report. And as soon as you click it, you'll have uh, all the links to the uh, recent shows, and that's where you can subscribe to um, the weekly the weekly podcast. And it's a wonderful thing. All right, so uh, next on the docket is uh, Nick Panu's uh, feature on the South Asian Film Festival, which was just um, a couple of weeks ago here. And Nick spoke to uh, Lina Monroe, and she, they had a chat about what the festival, uh, it was the first one, I believe, the first one ever of its kind in Vancouver, and they had a chat um, all about what it is and how great it was. So yeah, have a listen. Right now, we are standing here with... Lena Monroe of Desi City. At the, the first, the very first South Asian film festival here in Vancouver. You co-produced the film. That's right. Uh, my executive producer, Kirill Shaw, she's one of my best friends. She's in New York. The Juba started a production company called Little Brown Girl Productions. And we co-produced this amazing project called Desi City, which is about brown girls in New York, kind of like Bollywood meets Sex in the City. Uh, you uh, talked about uh, many things in the Q&A after your film. One of the things I found interesting is uh, uh, the stereotypes, the perpetuating stereotype, just writing the stereotypes into the script, how uh, delving into them explodes them. I was wondering if you can maybe uh, well delve into that and then uh, maybe give an example of that. 
Um, the question was posed to me now, by exploring those stereotypes, are we perpetuating them or are we making it better? And I would say that, okay, well, with the sketch comedy group, we go very deep into our stereotypes and we exaggerate them. We exaggerate them to a degree that, wait a second, there's no family that like this. Like we've got families who pretend that they're white, but they're brown. We've got we've got Binder and Minder, wonderful sketch where two Indian women confuse love with being beaten. Okay? People laugh at that. Why? Because we take the stereotypes and those stereotypes exist and we go to an extreme with them so that people can see how how absolutely ludicrous it is. That stuff is still happening in our community. And it is happening. Don't make any mistake about that. It's happening. So we take the stereotype and we expand upon it until it absolutely blows up. And I want people to see how ridiculous it is that in our generation, in our culture, people are still beating their wives. This is not right. Alcoholism, it's pervasive. It's happening. And people shouldn't be afraid to talk about it. But if you lecture at people, they'll stop listening. If you put it in a way where we explore the, the stereotype and we make fun of it, they, they're also a little bit sort of embarrassed. Like, yeah, it's happening. And you know, in our community, and you know, Vancouver is very known for it, gang violence, um, domestic abuse, alcoholism, this is happening in our community. And people aren't talking about it to the degree, to the degree that they should. So with comedy, we can talk about it to no end. And people think, ah ha ha, that's so funny. But they're listening. And we're making a point with what we say. That is my mandate. To work hard to, one, help inspire people. And two, to also help open up the world's eyes to the bad stuff that's happening. But not in a way that makes people feel bad about it, but just makes people just sort of think about it. And you do that by exploding stereotypes. Right now we are standing here with Patricia Isaac, uh, one of the, the organizers for the first, the very first uh, Vancouver South Asian Film Festival. Uh, how are you doing? And thanks for taking the time to do this interview and congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's been an amazing day. Yeah, obviously a uh, success. Uh, the inaugural party last night and tonight, uh, a lot of people here uh, to see the screenings and coming to the after party. Uh, I was wondering if it'd be okay to talk about the, the laborious process getting this festival started. Originally, it was planned for oh, wow. last year. Or the um, actually, uh, Aga, my partner, and I, we sat down and talked about it two years ago and thinking that it would take us about six months to do and it ended up taking us two years. <laughs> so it's um, it's been an amazing um, learning experience for both of us, but more than that, like we're just really glad that we stuck to it and that it's been able to have such an effect on so many people and that there's been such a wonderful response. And I mean, like the corner, for example, that's the venue that we're having the gala and the opening night at, they've been fantastic. They're a beautiful, beautiful venue and um, completely believed in the project too. And then of course the Georgia Strait, or Hotel Hunter, there's been so many people who have said like the same thing, that how come this doesn't already exist in Vancouver? And um, a lot of the people who came today and experienced a festival and saw people like Monica Diol, my goodness, was an icon for myself growing up, and Zaf Peru, Laura Sadiq, we had such great films, such great people um, that just inspired us more, and now we're just pumped and motivated to do it again next year. What was the process like uh, making that decision for the very first festival, choosing your films? 
Um, well, it's it's been a really great and interesting process. <laughs> Sorry, there's a little bit of celebrating in the back right now with their closing night. Um, but we, we received films from all around North America, and uh, our board, our executive members, and ourselves, of course, Adam and I, we got to see all the films and select from there. And we have brilliant people on our board who have such extensive um, film backgrounds and our president actually he has been on umpteen number of juries so um, it was just really great to have such different perspectives and then to choose such some controversial and a lot of amazing films so one of your films uh, really exploited the the whole gang issue we have here in Vancouver so uh, like a lot of the films it it, uh, made people think and this is a very important issue. Uh, it's it's an ongoing, uh, unfortunate tragedy that is happening in the community here. So, uh, yeah. So uh, when you saw that film, it, it must have been immediate. Like this, or it must have been that the, you want to have this in the festival. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It was. This is a. A, a Vancouver story. This is a Vancouver and surrounding areas story. And um, lately, there have been some wonderful films that have been coming out, like Warrior Boys, that came out not too long ago and did so well and had such an impact. And um, and now to Warriors Religion, it had such an effect. Actually, he had a longer version, but he's been using this shorter one uh, to go also to schools and to um, just let the community know what's going on and what your options are out there growing up because a lot of um, kids don't necessarily even explore the options. Um, so in, in making these kinds of films, all we're doing is letting parents, students, people know, um, people who are involved and that don't think they're involved because really we're all a part of it. We're all a part of what's going on. And um, that, was, that was an easy selection, very easy selection to showcase. Wow, what a crazy night for the very first South Asian Film Festival. We're here with some of the patrons attending the screens. Hello, Ricky Prosper, and that's Jeff Day. I'm Jeff. What have been your impressions of uh, this very first South Asian Vancouver Film Festival? Oh my gosh, it's been absolutely amazing. Um, I was actually telling Patricia's one of my good friends, and I was telling her before yesterday actually that I think it's going to be an amazing turnout, and it was. And um, usually for yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, turnout. usually for first-time film film festivals, it's very light, and there's not really that many people, but. There was a lot of people and a lot of different types of people, not just South Asian people who came out as well. So that was great to see, you know. So I think it was a great, great, great thing that's been going on. Uh, just taking the perspective of someone outside the, the South Asian community, when specific issues were addressed, you didn't feel like uh, alienated? Not at all. Not in any way, shape or form. Um, I think that um, because I, I actually, I'm a minority, as you can see, um, so those, those same issues are posed to me as well. So I felt I, I could relate to everything that they were speaking about. Oh, that's the end of that interview. That was Nick Panu uh, talking about the South Asian Film Festival and covering a lot of ground there um, on all kinds of uh, relevant issues to the South Asian community and fighting... Um, well, you heard it. I don't have to. I don't have to sum it up for you. So why don't we just uh, go for a commercial break? And uh, when we return, we'll have uh, the third installment of our folk festival interview series. 
this time with Babe Gurr. So we'll be right back. Strength, dignity, respect, beauty, self-worth, safety, confidence, choice, hope. The Beauty Night Society is a registered charity dedicated to helping marginalized women introduce trust, hope, and self-esteem into their lives. This is the first day of Through its popular makeover program, the Beauty Night Society has touched the lives of thousands and reintroduced a healthy touch to the lives of vulnerable women throughout British Columbia, creating real life makeovers. Please visit www.beautynight.org for information on programs and on how to help. Beauty night because, because dignity, dignity is beautiful. I think I was blind before I met you. That ship out there will be smashed to bits. Use your emergency equipment. It won't work. Nothing works. It's got to. It's no use. Everything seems to be stuck. My life's worth a try anyway. Come on, fellas. You can make it. Just listen to this. Spider-Man saves Freighter. You can't tell me the captain couldn't have brought his ship in without the help of that publicity-seeking show-off, Spider-Man. Don't get caught wasting power. Unplug cell phone, camera, and other battery chargers when charging is complete. Many electronic devices continue to use power even when you are not operating them. The amount of energy consumed by electronics in a year when they were not in use could power Whistler Blackcomb Resorts for 43 years. This Power Smart Play brought to you by BC Hydro Power Smart and CITR 101.9 FM. All right, we're back on the Arts Report. And uh, next we have another installment of our Folk Festival's celebratory series. This time we're speaking to singer Babe Gurr. Now, the Folk Fest uh, starts on July 16th and goes to the 18th. And it's a weekend of music to move your heart, hips, and head. And, um, yeah, so I spoke to, uh, to singer Babe Gurr, and we talked about... Her new album, um, which is called Chocolate Lily, which turns out uh, really smells awful, but somehow they gave it the name Chocolate Lily. And um, you'll also hear why, why she wasn't drunk for the, for the interview that we did. She, was, uh, she assures us she was absolutely sober. So we'll find out um, what that was all about. So tell me about uh, Chocolate Lily. Or sorry, is it Lily's? No, Chocolate Lily, you're Cho- right. Chocolate Lily. And yeah, one lily. <laughs> one, just one. Tell me about that title. Why that? Uh, the title actually came about, it's kind of a strange uh, thing. I was on um, Savory Island, and there was a restaurant called Chocolate Lily there once. And I thought, what a cool name. That'd be a great name for a band. And then I thought, well, is it a real lily? Is there such a lily? So then I looked it up on the internet, and it turns out that there is a lily called chocolate lily, or skunk lily, is, it's also known as, which is kind of an unfortunate name. <laughs> and um, it, it used to be used by the um, indigenous people to make rice. And so I thought, well, that's kind of an interesting story. And then also because it's a lily, and lilies are considered so beautiful and, and white and lovely, and then we got this chocolate one that smells 
really bad, apparently. It was also <laughs> nicknamed Diaper Lily. Oh, wow. I know. So I started to associate it with a person who's kind of outcast and, and uh, for possibly just their color or, you know, whatever, their beliefs, uh, the dress funny, um, any small thing that society seems to be hard on people for. And uh, I uh, wrote a song around it, and then I just named the um, album that. Hmm. And tell me, how does this album differ from your previous work? Um, well, it's probably, I mean, they've, the last two have been quite roots-based, but I'd say this one is a is even more so um, in terms of uh, bringing in uh, blues roots as well as uh, sort of, um, I don't like to say country because I don't see myself as a country artist, but um, I'm going to have to say country. <laughs> why, why not? Why don't you see yourself <laughs> as a country artist? The blending of the uh, blues and, and country, I would say, and a bit of pop in there as well. But why, why wouldn't you consider yourself a uh, country? Well, I'm definitely not, you know, the new country, which is, me so I'm I hate to say it but I I just find it so saccharine and so um, um, middle of the road I don't know it it, it, it just leaves me cold the mm. new country I just find the um, the music is all formulaic and um, it's just has it, even, sorry has it become it? very mainstream very kind of poppy is that yeah yeah it has but uh, it's unfortunate because the kind of country that I not that I've ever really listened to much country to be honest I'm, I actually listen to a lot of jazz but um, the, the country I have listened to is, is Hank Williams and that style of country the really old kind of mm -hmm. homegrown stuff is what I like the best and uh, so it, when I refer to myself with a little bit of country I, I think more in those terms actually so uh, I understand growing up that you traveled from uh, airbase to airbase. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. My dad was in the air force until I was uh, twelve. So yeah, we were we were moving around a lot. We were overseas for a while and uh, all across Canada, different bases. And there's a lot of uh, notable people who who have had that kind of upbringing. Uh, Meryl Streep comes to mind. Uh, she, oh, is she, that right? Yeah, and I wonder does that sort of does that maybe not lifestyle, but uh, growing up. Uh, with so much travel and so much, you know, um, different influences from different places, and does does that uh, do you think that influences you as an artist? Um, I don't know because I was pretty young, uh, and uh, when we were moving around, I mean, I did hear a lot of music for sure. Um, it certainly influenced me in terms of um, wanting to see more of the world. I've been traveling constantly um, overseas and down south, and. And all over the place. Um, and so I guess when I'm hearing music um, from various countries now, it influences me. But I don't think it did so much growing up. Um, I, I mean, basically, I grew up listening to a lot of rock and, and pop. And then my parents were big jazz fans, so I heard a lot of jazz, too. Mm -hmm. So you'll be at the, uh, the Vancouver Folk Festival. What else, uh, where else will you be in the next few weeks? Um, I'm going to be this Friday at the Britannia, Brit Britannia, that's hard to say, <laughs> and I haven't had a drink. <laughs> I'm not drinking, it's the afternoon, I'm actually staining my deck, so anyway, Britannia Shipyards mm -hmm. uh, this uh, Friday night with Sherelle Jardine and Sherry Ulrich and um, Mike, oh gosh, it just slipped my mind, mm -hmm. that's terrible, Michael Friedman. We're doing a singer-songwriter in the round, and then after that, the Folk Fest, and then I'm on the island for the Philbrook Festival, and actually more for folks in town here. I'll be at the Harmony Arts Festival in August as well. 
Great. Well, thanks very much for, uh, for this interview. Well, thank you, and uh, have a great day. You too. Enjoy staining that deck. <laughs> it's getting mighty hot out there, but yeah. I'm not complaining. I like the sunshine. No, it's nice. The summer's yeah. finally here, isn't it? It's great, yeah. Okay, great. take care. Thanks very Thanks much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that was Babe Gurr, who will be at the Vancouver Folk Music Festival, from uh, which is from July 16th till the 18th. And the website for the festival is uh, thefestival.bc.ca. And you can also get tickets uh, from the phone number, which I'm about to give to you, is 604-602-9798. And I believe uh, she said that she will be at the Britannia Shipyards, if I am thinking of the same place, the Britannia Heritage Shipyards. Uh, that's in, uh, in Richmond, if I have the correct place. And um, if you just Google, if you Google Britannia Heritage Shipyards, you'll get uh, information on uh, more information on that. So here, uh, since we just spoke to uh, Babe Gurr, why not play one of her songs? This one is called Hard to Get Over Me. Well, it will be hard
Dunkin' Donuts each and every radio show is brewed fresh and served fresh at the peak of its flavor. If you're a tough customer, only the taste of this radio show will do. So go ahead. Let Dunkin' Donuts make your radio experience exquisite. Indeed. <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts, serving sweet treats from the pop underground. Thursdays, noon to one. Hello, hello! I said there. Um, now I was uh, I was telling you about uh, how we're doing a, a multi-part series for the Folk Fest, and now if you've missed any of the uh, previous installments, do not fear, because along with our regular podcasts of the hour-long show, we have little uh, mini podcasts that are also available on, on the podcast page, um, where you can hear um, interviews that we've done. Uh, about the folk fest, the first one we did um, with the executive director, um, whose first name escapes me. Her last name is Tanaka. Uh, yeah, that's a shame. Sorry about that. Um, and the second interview was with Tyler Bancroft of the band Said the Whale, as well as Jeremy Fisher, who are uh, coming together in the uh, Malahat Review sort of a super group of uh, several local uh, local bands, and they're actually doing a bike tour uh, across uh, the area, um, the lower mainland, and uh, I guess the south coast, you should say, I should say, because it's uh, around the Gulf Islands and Vancouver Island and uh, the lower mainland. So if you've missed any of those, do check out our podcast page at citr.ca under uh, shows and podcasts, and uh, you can uh, catch those. Uh, right. So we're almost nearing the end of the today's program. But before we go, I have to remind you about a very exciting event that's happening this weekend. And that is the 15th annual Rec Beach Buto, an unparalleled spectacle for audiences. Kokoro Dance collaborates with Mother Nature. Now, uh, I've been I've been ranting about this every week for uh, for two weeks, and it's basically uh, it's at Rec Beach, which is very close by here to UBC, and will involve fully nude dancers clad only in white makeup, who will perform on the shores of Rec Beach at 10:30 a.m. on Saturday, and 11:15 a.m. on Sunday, and uh, it's all at the foot of Number Four Trail, which is west of the UBC Museum of Anthropology. And uh, tickets are only by donation, and they, the suggested donation is only $5, which is really a steal. And um, so let me just uh, play you a few minutes of uh, the interview that I did with Jay uh, Hirabayashi, who is the um, executive director of Kokoro Dance, who is uh, putting this on, uh, just to give an idea of, um, of what it is. Tell me about Rec Beach Buto. What is it? It's a annual pilgrimage that we do to uh, Rec Beach, uh, uh, the part of Rec Beach that's below the uh, UBC Museum of Anthropology, at the foot of the Number Four Trail, um, and it's uh, the culmination of a two-week-long performance workshop that we offer uh, to anybody that wants to uh, participate. Is it the sort of final showcase of the workshop? Yeah, oh, okay. we, we work for two weeks uh, developing a, a score, and then. Um, everybody goes down to the beach on uh, uh, this year's July 10th and 11th um, and uh, does this uh, strange dance. <laughs> strange dance. Tell me about that. What is, what is Butoh? Uh, Butoh is a, 
non-conformist art form that uh, or dance form that uh, started in Japan about 60 years ago and it um, primarily I guess uh, uses imagery as the motivator for movement uh, so it doesn't have any prescribed uh, technique um, and it's really uh, an attempt to find your own um, original way of expressing yourself hmm. and we should add that all of this is done in the nude is that right right correct beach is a clothing optional beach uh, it's uh, not exactly in the nude because we we paint ourselves white and then we uh, pretty quickly get covered up by sand but, <laughs> but apart from that yeah and I wonder what is that all right, and that was a little piece of uh, my interview with Jay Hirabayashi talking about Rec Beach Buto, which is uh, this weekend. So uh, check it out, because um, it's, um, it's great. So that's the end of our show for uh, this week. Next week, um, to give you a little uh, a, a taste, an inkling of what's going on, we have, uh, you guessed it, another installment of our film uh, folk festival series. And uh, we'll talk to the Avett brothers, who are making quite uh, a stir with, um, with their blend of sort of uh, bluegrass southern, uh, uh, southern sounds uh, combined with um, punk punk music and um so we'll we'll talk to them on next week's show and uh just to give you a quick uh a rundown of how you can get in touch with us the best way to either rant and rave um about um the arts report or to rant and rave about uh, an event that you are putting on or or something um out in in the vancouver arts scene that you want um to give more attention to you can uh, email us and our address is uh, arts at citr.ca. Pretty logical, isn't it? Arts at citr.ca. We do love hearing from you. After all, uh, this show is is about uh, about you, the arts community. So, so uh, write us, and you can follow us on Twitter. Twitter, that uh, ever ever growing in popularity uh, phenomenon. You can find us. Our name is uh, citr. Under-